With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by Laura Bradburn. We are talking Motherwell nil, Celtic 2. 
One goal in each half. We were sitting at half time, Laura. We were pretty chuffed with the result, but we knew that we had to put the game to bed, and that's exactly what we did. Six minutes into the second half, and it's your man, David Turnbull, that scores another tremendous, tremendous goal outside of the boot, left the keeper with no chance. What did you make of the second half overall? Second half was pretty uneventful, to be honest. Um, the goal was really well taken. It was uh, for all we we said, you know, we didn't like the too much knocking the ball about in the first half. Um, that was exactly how Turnbull found his opening for the second goal, and uh, we all know what a danger he is from the edge of the box. So um, to see that fly in as early as it did in the second half and settle the game, um, I think it contributed probably to the lack of eventfulness in the second half because I think it really killed the game off. Um, but, uh, yeah, as I was saying to you just before we came on air, I enjoy a 6-0 win as much as anybody, but um, I'll take an uneventful 2-0 win 10 times over if it means we can get more wins on the board. Yeah, we said at half-time, some people thought we were being overly negative. Um, have a, a look back on the last 18 months. I'm pretty sure there's a few shows that could top that for negativity, Laura. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't the best first half, it wasn't the best second half. I'll take 2 nothing every single day of the week, especially when you look at uh, the other results. Now, Silky Skills 85 comes in uh, to tell us, as if we didn't know, um, we might have kept an eye on this one. Rangers dropped two points. The league is wide open this year. It certainly is. And I think another good point comes in from Owen McGrandles, who um, reminds us, great day at the office, absolutely. Dundee United showed their performance against Celtic was no accident. They've got Easter Road today and won 3 nothing. Onwards and upwards. Let's have a look at the league table then, Laura. Celtic have leapfrogged Hibernian and Motherwell. Um, we now sit fourth in the table. Uh, a point behind Dundee United with uh, far superior goal difference. Three points behind Hearts, who are still unbeaten. And four points behind Rangers, who drew one each at Ibrox today. And, you know, were people maybe looking too much into a sticky patch uh, or results over the last few weeks? Or is it one of the ones where you're looking at that table and thinking, you know, we should be in the top two had it not been for a couple of pretty dodgy, pretty poor performances? Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think people were overreacting. Five wins out of the first nine for Celtic is never going to be acceptable. We, we were right to be concerned as far as that's as far as that goes. But as you can see from the form table, you know, like the the opening day defeat, as disappointing as it was, uh, is almost a write off for me at this point. And was nowhere near where he is now with this team. He didn't even have all of the players that he has now, regardless of injury or or the fact that he brought them in. So we are a different team to the team that was playing only nine games ago. I, I'm looking at this thinking, you know, this is an opportunity. The next international break isn't until November now. We've got a good month or so now to, to really try and put a run together. And at this stage of the season... Four points is not a big gap to to overcome as far as uh, getting back to the top of the table, especially. Uh, and I, we're a Celtic podcast, and I like to talk about Celtic. But I think what people forget is our season last season was exceptionally poor, but Rangers also had an exceptionally good season. Both of us will probably revert more to the mean this season, and it will be closer because of that. So I don't think we're up against as strong a Rangers team this season as um as we were last season, where I'm actually more concerned is that I think the overall quality of the teams in the league has increased 
Uh, Dundee United are no pushovers. Harps have shown they're no pushovers, and Hibs never are. So you've got three or four other teams there that will cause us as many problems as Rangers will, and it's about trying to make sure that we keep on top of those results uh, to get ourselves back to where I think we should be. You know, I was going to ask that, uh, Laura, that that very question. I don't think uh, Rangers are going to have the same season they did last year. It was uh, one of those anomalies, one of those one-off campaigns for them. I don't also think that Celtic are going to have overall um, a similar campaign to what we did last year, even though we've lost three games in the season in the league already uh, in this campaign. However, you've got to give credit to some of these other sides who I think they are very shrewd in the transfer market. Um, you've just got to look at Hearts just being promoted. And, you know, people use that old cliche, they were never a, a championship club. Yes, they were. They were there because that's where they deserved to be at that time. But I think they've recovered very well from that. And look at Dundee United. Um, Tam Kurt's coming in. I think uh, a lot of people scoffed at that that move to bring him in as the, the manager of Dundee United. But they're doing well. And I know that we've seen this in the past, Laura, with teams. They seem to fly for the first dozen games or so. We've seen it a few times with Hearts, actually. And they kind of fall away once it gets to the point where you need to have that depth of squad to see it through an entire campaign. When you're looking at this, and I know it's only nine days in, uh, nine games in rather, which of the clubs um, that are bothering the top half of the table do you think will maintain that throughout the campaign from what you've seen? From what I've seen, I could see certainly Hearts and Dundee United uh, maintaining a challenge for much of the season. The other one we haven't even mentioned at this point is St Johnston. They're just continuing to build on what they have previously. Obviously, the double cup win last season, uh, they're, they're springboarding off of that. Um, they've also, you know, I, I've been speaking a little bit to um, Stevie Grieve, who I can't remember his exact job title, for, so forgive me, but I used to do podcasts with him and he is now I think he might be head of recruitment or something like that at St Johnston now and he talks about the structure of the club you know a lot on Twitter and and what they're trying to achieve there so they're not to be to be written off either they've really got aspirations to take things a lot further and build on the success they've had so they're three teams that I would certainly consider to be ones worth watching throughout the rest of the season and that's without even mentioning Hibs who are always strong so um, I've to be honest, looking outside of the, the Celtic Rangers bubble, as we don't often do, this is probably as strong a league as as, as we've had in a number of years, even if it's not a decade. The, yeah, even if it's not the traditional Aberdeens and that kind of thing that you might always associate with that. But certainly there are a number of strong teams that are not going to be pushovers for us. Well, that's interesting. We haven't even mentioned Aberdeen, uh, you know, because during the nine in a row, it was McInnes's Aberdeen that tended to to push us. And, uh, you know, they're languishing at the minute in ninth position of the league table. I thought that was a, a surprise result, actually, against St. Johnson. Livingston couldn't buy a win unless they were playing Celtic at home. And they've gone out there and trounced St. Johnson today. So um, it's an interesting one. But as I say, I always look at the January transfer window uh, because a lot of the time they run out of steam, Laura. And you look at a team like Hibs who done so well last season, Hearts doing so well this season and Dundee United, um, and you think to yourself, well, will they actually go into the transfer market and bring two or three in rather than lose two or three? Because often that's where the, the wheels come off any, any kind of challenge that they've got. Um, so if it happens, then Celtic need to continue to step up. And today they stepped up. They got the win. It was solid enough. We got a clean sheet, Laura. And mm. uh, Autumn Glow comes in to remind us uh, to talk about the defence. And the fact 
that he believes that they deserve some praise today. I mean, as I was saying at half time, I take notes so that I can, you know, go back to the performances of each individual player. And to be honest with you, you know, Cameron Carter Vickers game on game is impressing me more and more. And a big part of that is just winning those balls in the air. I mean, the the stats last season were shocking the amount of goals we were losing from uh, any kind of set piece. You know, Laura, we just couldn't defend it. And again, we've been guilty of it this season as well. But I think based on today's performance, he is the man in the middle that you're looking towards to win those balls. He, he won them time and time again. I don't think we were really under much pressure. The only real pressure moments were the ones we mentioned at half time, And we seem to put ourselves under that pressure. And hopefully, you know, as the understanding grows between the, the five guys at the back, uh, we can cut that out of our game. I think the the big um the bi- the biggest praise I can give to the defence today is that we've talked often enough about how Joe Hart has made some saves for us that are worth mentioning, even if they're saves we would expect him to make. He's even in a c- couple of the games where we've lost a lot of goals, prevented us from being embarrassed in previous games. The biggest praise I can give to the rest of the defence today is that he didn't really have a save to make, and that is because the defence were winning balls in the air, they were cutting out chances, they were cutting out passes, they were cutting out runs. They, I would say probably, and I can't believe I'm saying this, you know, middle of October, but that was probably the most assured defensive display that I've seen from the team all season, either domestically or in Europe. Um, whether it would be questioned by coming up against a, a better team, because I have to say I was a bit disappointed in the standard of, of Motherwell today. Uh, disappointed is the wrong word uh, as long as we win uh, but uh, I, I expected more of a challenge from them today and I think we will face bigger challenges but you know as as the old saying goes you can only beat what's in front of you and the defence certainly did that today for us. At half time Laura we were talking about David Turnbull there's always this discussion when he and Tommy Rogic start that they shouldn't be starting in the same game um, he came on to a game in the second half, of course, and there's two things I want to discuss. Uh, we'll lead on from Joe Porter, bringing not Turnbull. Um, he's harsh on him because he knows that he's better than he has been shown lately, but what a goal. Absolutely, there was two main points I wanted to bring up. First of all was the goal. I mean, it was a stunning effort outside of the right boot. That's what Turnbull gives you. Often when you're struggling to uh, cut through the defence, Laura, you want someone like that. We used to have a number of players like this. I remember we actually lost a whole clutch of players who would score from distance, uh, all within a, a short period of time. And they were responsible for a high percentage of our goals. And I'm talking about guys like Dembele, Stuart Armstrong, even Paddy Roberts. They were all scoring goals from distance. We lost them all, you know, in a short space of time. That's what Turnbull can give you when you've got a packed defence, somebody who has that in his locker. And it was tremendous. And we've seen it from him before. Um, What do you make of this inconsistency of Turnbull? Does it concern you? Or is it again us maybe overlooking the fact that he is a relatively young player? He has had a horrific injury in the last couple of years as well. I I mean, I think think to to call him young in terms of not expecting consistency from is, is probably a bit... 
you know, we're beyond that stage with him now. He's he's into his twenties. He should be performing consistently. Uh, the best players in the world are performing consistently at younger ages than he's at now. So I think, from an age point of view, I certainly wouldn't be necessarily giving him too much slack as far as that's concerned. I don't think the injury that he's come back from can be underestimated, though. I mean, I watched the the documentary that Mother will put out on YouTube before he signed for us, um, and that was, you know, many a Many a footballer has succumbed to that injury and never played again because of it. So the fact that he's managed to come back and is playing football as regularly as he is is a testament to his mental uh, and physical ability. So I, I think that might contribute in some ways, but I think in general his uh, inconsistency is more of just a reflection of the team in general. Um, the team's performances aren't consistent and his are reflecting of that. But like you say... Uh, his biggest asset, I think, for us is when we're having trouble knocking the ball back and forth, struggling to break down defences, struggling to get that ball across the goal on the deck for Furuhashi to put in as we did today. Sometimes you just have to take those chances from outside the box and he's never afraid to do that. And it's not even a case of, you know, we, we often slagged off Ryan Christie for want of a better word uh, the last few seasons because he would okay, we'd try those shots, but never with great accuracy or never with great uh, aplomb. The thing about David Turnbull is he doesn't just hack at it just because he's got the space and the time. He's very deliberate about it. And I would suggest from what I see that his percentage of shots on target to the ones that he takes is probably quite high. Alan Morrison's a better one to to ask than me about that, but I would like to see those stats because I think he's very deliberate about when he uh, selects to hit those shots and he can, you know, get a lot of success out of them because of that. It's not this uh, shoot-on-sight policy that Ryan Christie spoke about uh, last Mm. season and that was why his percentage was so low. He was actually instructed to shoot on sight um, even when it wasn't on. You're right. Turnbull is far more selective in the shots he takes. The other thing I would say on Turnbull was the tackle. Now, there was a discussion on the Axon WhatsApp group and someone within our group who is normally very critical of the officials is our very own Lawrence Conley, who came down to London with us to enjoy um, the award ceremony just over the last couple of days. And Lawrence reckons it wasn't as bad as it looked. I mean, the very fact that he has decked Turnbull, he's obviously hurt him, and I've seen the the replays like everybody else, I felt that it was a high challenge, Um, and I'm not just going to focus on that one challenge, because just a few minutes later, whilst we were still discussing it on the WhatsApp group, Ball and Golly clearly handles the ball in the box, and Motherwell don't get a penalty. So, Mm. in terms of, yes, I'm going to talk about that, because I want to see players protected, Laura. I don't want to see that type of tackle above the ankle because, yeah. you know, we've seen it a few times this season. Uh, first game of the season at Tynecastle, McGregor. Halliday on McGregor. It was a shocking tackle. Um, there was also a, a tackle um, in the Ross County game that was just as bad. There was a couple in the Dundee United game. You know, James McCarthy was on the end of one of those as well. But they don't seem to be going punished. And I'm not just focusing on Celtic here. I'm not going on about a conspiracy. I think the level and the standard of the um, officiating today was poor. And that's why I'm bringing up the ball and goal incident. Because for me, that was a penalty all day long. Yeah, I mean, I, I, could, I saw decisions on both sides for Motherwell and for us that I think fans of both sides have, have a right to be to be concerned about. I mean, I haven't seen it back, so people might 
might pull me up for it. Um, uh, but even the, the Furuhashi tackle for the first goal, I'm not entirely sure how much of the ball that he got for that. Um, I think if I was a Motherwell fan, I would be shouting for a free kick. But to, to go, go more widely on the point that you made, um, I think it is. For me, it's not a conspiracy. I'm not interested in, you know, talking about who supports who and, and who might be deliberately biased. My honest assessment is that for the most part, referees go out to to behave as honestly as they possibly can. But the standard of the decision making is really, really poor. And I think that speaks to a, a problem we have in the country in general and the standard of the training that we do with the referees. You look at, for example, I mean, okay, the the standard of the football on show was of a different level at Euro 2020, but even the standard of the the refereeing, the the referees were not a talking point at Euro 2020. They let the game flow. They made the decisions that needed to be made. There was obviously a couple of high-profile incidents that they had to deal with that they dealt with very well as well, um, Christian Eriksen being one of them. You know, you look at a tournament like that and you look at the standard of refereeing that you can have and you look at what we've got week in, week out. And I say this again, echoing your point about Celtic. It's not just about Celtic. There are fans of every club who have a right to be frustrated with the decisions that they are seeing being made. And I think it needs to be looked at, whether it's putting more funding in, whether it's um, getting coaches in from other leagues or whether it's even looking at international referees uh, refereeing in the domestic game, I don't know, but we need to do something to try and uh, increase the standard of refereeing for the good of every club in the country. Agreed. Yep, absolutely. And when tackles like that and others that, that we've mentioned already are, are going unpunished, uh, you know, it's all about the safety of the player. Laura, you know, we just spoke about David Turnbull's injury and how hard it was for him to get back to full fitness. And yeah, that kind of tackle could put a player out for months, even longer. Uh, before I go back to the one of the points that was made earlier, Ryan Kelly comes in. I think we should be looking at progress in this team compared to last year. Cup semi-final, back-to-back away wins, along with a clean sheet, get more ticks is what I say. Listen, we went into these three away fixtures, Laura, and we were talking about Pataudry, Fur Park, Easter Road. Uh, the discussion ar- around the three games was, you know, how many wins can we get out of those three games? And I don't think anybody who was talking about them were actually saying three. Well, mm. that's two out of two. We went to Pataudry and we ground out a-, a victory and we deserved that victory. Today we went to Fur Park. I think it was a wee bit more comfortable for Celtic. You just got to look at the possession as well. I know that doesn't always give you the goals. But we won the game comfortably, I feel, today. And we move into the the third of that trio of fixtures that we were talking about against uh, Hibs at Easter Road. I'm not going to say overconfident, but I think we're in a good place to go into that game. We don't have a great record at Easter Road. Um, but again, Hibs have shown today that, you know, they're, they're there for the taking. Dundee United went and turned them over 3 nothing. What do you fancy having looked at the last two away games when we go to, to play Hibs? I mean, I think you can't do anything other than be uh, a bit more confident than we were because uh, you have seen performances there that that you're encouraged by. And I think I think you can be too negative sometimes in saying that okay, the Aberdeen team that we faced at Pataudry, the the Motherwell team that we faced today, haven't been up to much. But 
like you said, we can't forget that going into those games, we really wondered if we were going to get any kind of a result. And the fact that we've come away with results, regardless of the standard of the teams we are playing, is a real positive and something really to build on. We've talked previously about, you know... As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The form that we're in making is perhaps wary of going to places that we wouldn't usually have been wary of going to because everybody knows Easter Road's a, always a difficult place to go, but we've got to take confidence from this. Two away wins from two when it was as much of a problem as it was um, is, is a sign of progress, as the commenter said, and we've just got to keep building on it. Momentum's the most important thing in the game, and if we can keep that momentum going, then it'll only stand us in good stead for going into the Christmas period. Yeah, without a doubt. Now, there's a few interesting comments coming in in relation to the strength of this league this season, Laura. Now, Philip comes in, Philip DeMarco. We see that tremendous avatar coming up from time to time on the, the bulletin. Thanks for getting involved. Is that, com- is that David Turnbull in that? Is that- <laughs> it could well be. He would suit that away, Jersey, let's be fair. The competitiveness of the league, being good or poor, will push us on. 100% I've always said that, you know, when you go back to um, when Celtic won nine in a row first time, time round, the quality of some of those sides, Laura. I mean, they were performing in Europe um, during that period and before and were performing to a high, high standard. So yeah, absolutely get that. If you're playing in a strong league, it's going to push on Celtic. Um, So I welcome it. I absolutely do welcome it. Um, Ian comes in, Ian Lowry. I'm not sure whether the league has got better in quality or that Celtic and Rangers squads haven't got the same strength and depth. Is the only way to judge this, Laura, when you look at the performances of the clubs in Europe, is that the only barometer of whether or not our league is strong? I think it has to be. We talked about it um, yesterday on the bulletin. Jim has been a big proponent of it, that uh, progress at Celtic and Rangers is progress in Europe and nothing else, because if we progress in Europe, the domestic game will take care of itself. Um, And to that extent, I guess I take the, the commenter's point on board, uh, Hibs, St Johnston, uh, Aberdeen, all these teams who've had a go in Europe haven't come up as well as you would have expected them to. Having said that, they've had some notable results. One that springs to mind is St Johnston against Galatasaray. Okay, they went out eventually, but they definitely gave them a game, which the resources of the two clubs compared is, is beyond uh, comprehension. But Europe is going to be the way in which we see where this league is at in a couple of years' time. But I, I am, you know, confident that the standard of all the teams is rising. We're getting good young managers in, like uh, Thomas Courts at Ross County. Um, Postecoglou is bringing something different to the game as well. So I, I think there's a there's a positivity about the Scottish game that can't be ignored. And, and we're often. I think as a fan base, Celtic and Rangers fans are accused of being a bit arrogant when it comes to the rest of Scottish football. I think we've got to take stock of the fact that there are some good teams and certainly some good individual players in those teams that that are worth uh, being aware of and being wary of because I I personally think that, okay, we've had great success over the last three years, but that has been in a wider picture of quite a poor league. And I think... 
not only is it uh, our lack of success last season a sign of our regression, but I think it's a sign of progress on the part of the other teams. Red Scotland tends to disagree. He reckons that uh, our league's a very poor level of journeyman and we've been making them look good this last two years. Now, the thing with that is it's sometimes difficult when you look at a game like the Leverkusen game. Very good side, we know that. They're second in the league and a very strong league, but they come over and make Celtic look pretty ordinary. Yes, I know we had our chances, um, but at 4 nothing, I did feel that, you know, had we came back into that game at any point, we were unlucky with the penalty. It was never a penalty. Individual errors. We've, we've analysed the game um, to the nth degree, but I do think there was another gear uh, which they could have clicked into at any point that night. It's hard to disagree when you go into the European game and you get trounced. You know, we've played two games in Europe. We've lost four goals in both of them. I know the Betis game is, was a different uh, game entirely. But we are in a time of transition as a football club, uh, not just behind the scenes, but on the park, Laura. So I think we've got to take that into account. Once we get a fully fit squad which is something Ange Postecoglou has never had the luxury of uh, thus far, I think we can then have a look at this and say, just how good are we? And by that time, of course, the European endeavours may have already been decided and we could be uh, possibly looking for the third tier tournament. But again, even that, I think it's a good introduction because you're giving teams like Hibs and St. Johnson, and I know they didn't progress the way we wanted uh, as, a, as a nation for the, the clubs to progress, it's given them an opportunity to make millions of pounds that they wouldn't otherwise have made. I mean, I think it, had they qualified beyond the group stages that, uh, sorry, beyond the stages that they were knocked out at, it was something to the tune of two and a half million quid that would have been in their coffers, Laura. So I think that's a massive development that's going to help domestic um, games like Scotland, for example, where money is too tight to mention, um, as it was once said. Now, there's also Stephen O'Rourke coming in with a great point. We're talking about depth of squad. And the fact that Ange has never had that full complement of staff at his disposal, one of the players, of course, is James E. Forrest. The last couple of years have been really difficult, both for the player and for the fan base. He played his fewest games ever in a, in a season, last season, Laura. And all of a sudden, it looks as though it's going to be a, a troublesome year for him this term as well. And then it begs a question in relation to that right side of the midfield, Abada. And the fact he wasn't at his absolute best today either, was he? No, he, he certainly wasn't. He talked about it uh, after the, the halftime analysis from the from the first half. It, not necessarily that he was as anonymous as he has been. He certainly saw more of the ball than he has in other games. He certainly was taking players on and beating them. But his delivery and his final product was really poor today. And, uh, you know, you would hope that James Forrest coming back and being in contention for a place will will improve the standard of both those players. You know, we've talked about how uh, an improve, improved standard of clubs in the league can only help uh, each team improve. But that's the same with, with a squad of players. If you've got good competition for places, it only makes every player concerned better. And uh, to have both Abada and Forrest as options going forward is, is the kind of strength and depth that I would want us to have. 
You know, there is also the point there on uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers. I did think he was solid, but Will McMillan also comes in to, to say Starfield was solid enough today as well. And I think mm-hmm. that, yeah, there were some concerns raised about him up at Pataudry, maybe being muscled out a wee bit um, in some of the, the one-to-ones, but I think he was solid today. When we're looking at the low knees that we have at the moment, uh, Laura, you know, some of the, the low knees over the last few seasons haven't set the heather alight, as it were. But we've got two in Cameron Carter, Vickers and Yota that at this moment in time, in its early days, do look like must-buys, as Stevie Boy says. Yeah, I mean, Cameron Carter, Vickers, uh, like we've said before, is about as solid as a, a defender as I've seen for a number of years for us. Starfelt deserves his credit. He was as, as solid uh, himself today. Um, so I would like us to see if we can get Cameron Carter, Vickers in on a permanent basis. The idea that you know, you can change the way that you plan ahead if you've got them on a permanent basis uh, would be something exciting for us. But to be honest, my absolute must-buy is 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 Yota. Um, if, if figures are to be believed and Benfica are looking for £6.5 for him, I would say snap their hand off for it because he's just everything that I want in a Celtic player. He's exciting. He actually has an end product. He takes players on. He's got a positive attacking attitude when he plays the ball. And even things like that sort of... It wasn't really an overhead kick. It was like a scissor volley that he tried in the in the first half. Okay, it didn't come off. But the idea that we've got a player in there that's got the confidence to try things like that, he's the type of player you want playing at Celtic. That kind of player that gets you out your seat and actually has the end product as well, I would be snapping their hands off for him and telling him that, you know, he's a vital part of our future because it's clear from the way that he celebrates and the way that he's up for the games that he's loving life at the moment and loving playing his football. So I think he should be rewarded for that. Absolutely. I mean, if that scissor kick comes off, Laura, you know, it would have just uh, raised the roof. And And by the way, I wouldn't write that off this season, him scoring a spectacular effort just like that one. Now, if you will indulge me for a moment, we are into the last minute of the the post-match. And uh, thankfully, Soft Scots comes in to say that Celtic were inspired by the Axon treble. I haven't really gone on about it. It's brilliant to be back in the hot seat, Laura. You had a, done a great job yesterday on the bulletin, as I've said. But uh, we were down in London for a couple of days. Uh, we were nominated for three awards. And we did win three awards. We won two golds and a bronze. The bronze was for the charitable uh, weekender that we did last December. There will be another one early December this year. So look at our socials for updates on that. We are going to be going out 24 hours over our weekend as well. We won the best international podcast. We're up against some really big hitters such as Open Goal, who have just sold out the Hydro. 14,000 people went to the Hydro to see them. Uh, performing and best club content creator international. So we were up against um, AC Milan, Barcelona, etc. And we came home with that one as well, Laura. But what I want to say is it's an absolute privilege uh, to go out to the people that tune in on a day-to-day basis, Laura. I mean, today we've, we've been going out to like 1,300 live viewers. And I know a lot of people um, come in later on and watch it on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, wherever you, you fancy. It's also going out on the audio platforms later on tonight. We don't take that for granted. We are privileged to have the platform that a lot of people tune in um, to. We are we feel absolutely uh, knocked 
over by the fact that it was your votes that got us to the awards ceremony in the first place. When we accepted them, we're accepting them on behalf of the Celtic fan base who tune in, Laura. It's as simple as that. Uh, and we will display them with pride in the studio and we will go on about them from time to time because we're very proud of them. Uh, but it's down to the audience, it's down to the contributors and we have created a community. So we should be really proud of that as well, Laura. Yeah, I mean... Um... We talked about all the hard work that you and Kelvin have put in in the background, all the all the contributions that have been made by um, myself and everybody else who's on the bulletins week in and week out. But the main reason that we do it is for the people that watch the show. You know, we, I've no doubt that we would sit and talk Celtic if nobody was watching, but um, it, it would be rather pointless without all the comments we get. All the names that we see coming up again and again, I could list you know, a hundred of them that you see coming in every single week and every single day. Um, and the idea that, you know, that that your work and the, the work that's been done by everybody as the channel has grown to create this community of people who would back us to that extent and let us win awards over, like you say, um, podcasts that have or should have a much better chance of winning those awards than us just shows exactly what kind of a viewership that we've got, uh, a group of viewers who hopefully enjoy what we do, hopefully are invested in what we do and have shown that they are. So again, I would just like to to echo the thanks to everybody who's watching for taking the time out to, to vote for us because believe me when I say this, you'll have seen very many public messages from us on Twitter across the weekend, but uh, what's being said in private reflects that as well. We are bowled over by what we've seen from people and we truly, truly appreciate it. You know what? We were up against people like Sky Sports and BBC down there, Laura. It's not an alternative award ceremony. It's a media uh, award ceremony. And as you say, people behind the scenes, Kelvin, who's our vid videographer, we're working on Axom shows that are not live broadcasts. We want this to be a gateway to some of the other content that we're producing. The Axom retrospective where we interview ex-Celtic players and other figures, people who write books on Celtic. Kevin Graham's Schema Celica, um, the first episode of the new recorded version is on its way and there's other Axom shows and events and everything else on its way. It wouldn't be possible without John who uh, basically set up the studio um, and set up a state of mind to allow Axom to flourish and flourish obviously we have over the last year. I'm going to leave you with a wee story. This is what happened on the way down to the awards ceremony, right? Now, it's a, it's a big um, ask to get people down there, Laura. It's very expensive. There's time off work. There's responsibilities at home. So although we have 18 contributors in total, not everybody could go down. We would have loved it if we had a table down there, but it was myself, Tony Haggerty, Lawrence Connolly, and my good lady, uh, my long-suffering wife, came down as well. So we go um, and jump on the train, and we're from Fife, so we're on our way down to London, and we change over to Edinburgh, as we'd be expected. We've got everything ready. We've been planning it for weeks, Laura. And at that point, the missus goes into her bag and produces the envelope, which should have the train tickets in it, all the way down to London, which were purchased weeks ago. And again, not going on about the money side of things, but these things are expensive, and if you were to buy them again on the day, they'd be probably twice or three times the price. And she pulls out what she thought were the tickets, and it wasn't tickets to London, it was three tickets to see Jason Donovan at the Usher Hall in November. Now, 
I'm not a Jason Donovan fan. I'm a Donovan fan. Uh, the Scottish kind of folk singer from the 1960s whose daughter <laughs> married Sean Ryder from the Happy Mondays. So I'm not quite sure what the tickets were for, but I thought it was a wind-up. Very quickly, I realised it wasn't a wind-up. We didn't have the tickets. So we get to Edinburgh and the uh, the good lady goes up to the desk to try and explain the predicament and all I'm seeing is no can do. There's nothing you can do about it, etc., etc. We've decided to print out the tickets, do it the old-fashioned way, Laura. We don't have a barcode on our phone. We're basically going back to Fife. Now, I've got my mask on, uh, obviously, for the precautions, etc. But at that moment, I tried to produce the e-ticket or what I thought was an e-ticket, and I pulled out my phone, um, which is here, and on the back of it is Axom. At that moment in time, the guy behind the desk, whose name is Sid, says... I watch Axom, I'm a big fan, we're going to make sure that you get down to London, I know that you're going down to your reward ceremony because he had been listening to us the day before, I couldn't make this up. Between Sid and a girl called Louise, they make sure that we get a wee ticket, which basically allows us all the way down to London and back. On the strength of that, Laura, we were at the award ceremony. So a big shout out to Sid. I've got his details. We're going to be sending him uh, an Axom swag bag to thank him to, for getting us down to London. Because at that moment in time, we weren't going to be there. Lawrence travelled separately. He was going to have to go up to the stage and give an acceptance speech. All he did on the night was grab the mic and shout hail, hail to the entire <laughs> audience, which was tremendous. But big shout out to Sid and Louise at LNER, who made sure that we got in there, Laura. It, I'll tell you what, everything was conspiring against us until those two stepped in and sorted Listen, it Listen, I've never met your good lady wife and I already love her to bits because she's out of jail as a Jason Donovan fan. <laughs> I I sit and take a slagging. People watching this will never know. I'm Backstreet Boys, Westlife, all that to the hilt. I had a big brother who listened to Oasis and The Verve and all that, that all you guys are all on about being the coolest bands in the world and I appreciate it but when I saw those Jason Donovan tickets I was over the moon if we had never even won an award this weekend was entirely worth it so but yeah thank you to Sid and uh, uh, Louise I think you said from LNER for getting you guys down there it's 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 much appreciated and it was well worth it as well because we ended up picking up the awards that we did. It was. And it was great to meet loads of other content creators who were well aware of what we're doing here. They were coming up, they were asking what it is we do, what we've changed from last year. And there is a real community feel about content creation and about Axom. Some people call it the Axom cult. Uh, Laura, I wear that as a badge of honour. I thank every single one of you for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be back on Monday. There's a few shows over the weekend. Get yourself on the YouTube, subscribe. Uh, we're still giving away prizes. Bobby Lennox signed framed print is up for grabs this month, as is an Etive watch, which we'll be giving away. They sponsor the match day uh, on Axom, and you can get 15% just by clicking on the link below the video. Thank you, everybody. We've won 2 0. It's another away win. Um, we move on and hopefully up the table, Laura.
It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.